You're listening to Once, Episode 60, The Doctor. Welcome back to another episode of Once, Once Upon a Time podcast, where we talk about this amazing TV show about fairy tale lands and curses and all of this awesome stuff. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. We are so happy to have you listening to us. And thank you to everyone who has nominated us in the podcast awards over at podcastawards.com. We made it into the finalists under the entertainment category. Huge, huge thank you to you for nominating us. Please vote for us every day starting November 1st and ending November 15th. We've got three podcasts actually as finalists. Under comedy, we have The Ramen Noodle. Under entertainment is this, Once Podcast. And then under technology, we have The Audacity to Podcast. I will have a video for this and showing you how to do this voting procedure at oncepodcast.com slash podcastawards or you can just jump to podcastawards.com to vote for us over there. And we would really appreciate that because uh, it's it's so encouraging to see how many nominations have come in. Well, I don't know the actual number, but that we are in the finalists. A lot of you put some hard work in and we really, really appreciate that. So let's talk about this episode of The Doctor. This was a really cool episode, the fifth episode now in Once Upon a Time, season two. And many people who had guessed this theory of the doctor being Dr. Frankenstein and picking up on all of these clues, you guys were so right. We got a couple emails in where some people said that Daniel was right with this theory, but no, I I have to give full credit to others in our community who had done the research on this, discovered it, like discovered that James Whale was the director of the 1930s. Uh, Frankenstein movie and so many other people like I think Josephine was one of them and Fortuna and several people I I'm, can't quite name them all who had found clues for this so congratulations guys you did a great job I was hoping he would be the Wizard of Oz I think he still is and we could still be right about that mm-hmm. because there are so many Wizard of Oz references in this episode yep it's it's quite... off to see the wizard we go. <laughs> yes, and and so many other things too, and we'll get into that in more depth in uh, as we go along. But let's start talking about this episode. We did our initial reactions on Sunday. We do those every Sunday at nine fifteen Eastern, and then we have the live chat room before that during the Eastern and Central airing of the TV show. You can check that out at oncepodcast.com slash live. But. Let's start with Storybrooke as we start approaching this very chronologically and very in-depth. So I love that David really has some guts this time. He walks up to Whale (laughs) and punches him. Yeah. The punch Whale deserved. (laughs) That was great. Yeah, we watched this episode Sunday night, and I have already greeted two people that way this week. <laughs> I was inspired. Wow, <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> and did you say the same thing? That's for sleeping with my wife? Awkward. No, no, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Jeremy would first need a wife in order to be able to say that. No, oh. that when oh. Dr. Whale said that, though, he, he said Catherine, or well, uh, David said that, and Dr. Whale said, Catherine? Yeah. And I think that's a hint there that Dr. Whale actually never knew 
that Snow White was Charming's husband or wife. <laughs> oh, you're probably right. I hadn't thought about because that. Because he came from a different world. He yeah. never interacted with Snow White and Prince Charming. I just thought, oh, they are both. But you're probably right. Yeah. So to his perspective, even after the curse is broken, it's just like, oh, no, there's this school teacher yeah. lady and she's nobody's wife. Nobody. <laughs> nobody's wife. <laughs> unless, unless more is revealed about his story, he knows very few people in town, regardless, apart from their storybook lives. Right. Now, I wonder if there are others from Dr. Whale's world uh, or Frankenstein's world. Was that Igor? Yes, oh. I think. His assistant? I think so. But he didn't have a hunchback, and he didn't have one crooked eye. He, well. he wasn't called by the name. Through the lever, Igor! But I would assume that's uh, who that character he was. He was a bald guy, though. Yeah. The new girl was bald, yeah. I believe. And there's some other interesting little nods to uh, other fairy tales and stuff in this episode that we'll get into more in depth in a moment. So David says that he has no secrets and he's talking to the guy who has secrets. And I wonder from the pilot episode, you remember that scene where David is confronting whale and he says, who are you whale? And Mm -hmm. he says, well, that's That's my business. business. I wonder if there's more of a motivation for why whale wants his identity to be kept a secret. Maybe. Maybe it is something really bad. Yeah, there could be something darker about him. Maybe his brother killed a lot of people. Mm. It makes his taunting Regina for not having any magic even funnier. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Given his... Oh, well, he he has a history with her. Yeah, and with the whole whose power is greater. Daniel thing. Oh, yeah. Do you think all of the fairy tale lands still exist? Oh, yeah. Because David hadn't thought about it until Whale asked him. And then David's look, well, David said, yeah, it's possible. So I'm hmm. wondering if they do. I I assume they do unless... Why would the Blue Fairy say that he'd be sacrificing one world for another if if the whole realm disappeared? Well, they're like, not having any luck getting back so far. Was she lying? <laughs> or maybe... This thing of being able to preserve part of the world is something that Rumpelstiltskin was able to d- build into the curse. Oh. Well, but even the part that was affected, like the castle, the castle was destroyed, but the, it's not like the land is gone. Mm-hmm. It was just a structure. It was like a bad storm. <laughs> I would think there aren't other worlds because how else did Cora from, well, how else did Cora from, we assume, Wonderland? get into present-day fairytale land. Who knows? How did Hook from Neverland get into present-day fairytale land? Who knows? And uh, what other characters might be there, too? And how did they get there? They're still there. The other lands are still there, Hmm. I think. So when Regina saw Archie for psychological advice, it's funny that she says, it's been two days without magic. (laughs) That's a great start. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a drug, really. It In many ways that uh, they portray this in the episode, they illustrate magic as kind of like a drug, like pulling people's hearts, too, is a bit of a drug where you get addicted to it and you lose track. But uh, Regina is trying, but she did say she brought who she wanted to bring. Mm-hmm. 
So we've seen, I think it's really going to be anyone she had interactions with or she had some kind of grudge against. I think she had a grudge against Dr. Whale because he couldn't help her. I think she brought him because he tried to help her. That could be the other thing. It's And she thought Rumpelstiltskin was a good, you know, I think she brought people she liked. She didn't bring her mother. Right. I'm she not, didn't really like her mother. She loved her mother, but she didn't really like I'm her mother. I'm still not convinced that the indication is that she picked every single person. She had the ability to choose or deselect, I suppose, but they don't yeah. make it sound like... They make it sound like a majority of the people in the land were taken, and a few remained, not, yeah. oh, some there was this horrible curse storm, but then really it didn't do much to any of us except freeze us. We don't know why some people disappeared. They're not talking like that. It's kind of like selecting files on a computer. You press command or control A, <laughs> select all, and then deselect a few here and there, deselect mm-hmm. some folders of people. Well, I just remembered a line. She hmm? said that she brought... She, um, like people's punishments were different. So maybe she brought people she both liked and wanted to punish. Yeah. Because the people that she liked have, you know, good positions like King George. He's, what Mm -hmm. is he? A lawyer? District attorney. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't put Snow and Charming on her like list. Yeah, I wouldn't either. That's what I thought. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. Well, here's the odd one out to throw into this. Smee. Why bring Smee? Unless it was just by default that he was pulled from his world. Exactly. I don't think she knows each and every single person in Storybrooke. Or maybe she does, and we just don't know the whole story yet. Maybe. But certainly the people that she has interacted with, she's brought them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that could explain why she left Mulan and Aurora, unless maybe she thought, eh, I hate these two. I don't want to ever see them again. Well, I mean, her, she interacted with her mother. So, I mean, there's no, there's no clear set of criteria for this. Who I think we just don't know enough. Maleficent did. Hmm? Not not Regina. Maleficent interacted with Aurora's mother. No. No, Regina interacted with her own mother. Oh, okay. Who is not in Storybrooke. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. I can get that connection now. Speaking of when Regina was with Dr. Hopper, did Dr. Whale hide outside the door to find out where Regina was keeping <laughs> right? Daniel? Because otherwise he wouldn't really know. And if that's the case, then he made pretty quick work resurrecting him. Well, he, how did he know where Regina was? I don't know. I don't know that either. <laughs> he, well, find the car and then just walk in oh, to Dr. Hopper's thanks. office. Because Dr. Hopper has a little sign on the glass door. And we assume Regina probably parked in front of that. And so it might seem... Obvious there. But maybe he followed Regina to find this vault at some point, or maybe he just knew about it um, because he knew that Regina's mother had a vault of hearts. So he must have assumed, well, Regina probably has a vault of hearts as well. Smee in the chat room just added something. (laughs) How'd Smee get there? Actually, Gypsy, sorry. Gypsy in the chat room just added something about Smee. And he said, Smee procures hard-to-find objects, and he was thinking it's another rumple safety valve in the curse. So, it's possible that that um, that rumple stillskin had a hand in True. deciding who comes and who stays. Yeah, great observation there, Jenny and, and uh, Gypsy in the chat room. Yeah, because he designed it, 
so it might have been like the two of them together had their choices of people. Eeny, meeny, miny, yeah. moe. <laughs> yeah, certainly. <laughs> and since Smee didn't help end up helping Rumpel like he had promised, then maybe Rumpel wants to turn the clock forward on Smee. Or Although they, they they said later in that episode. But that Storybrooke was Storybrooke was designed to punish people, so maybe Smee is being punished. Yeah. Or maybe Rumpel did want to keep Smee around so that when everybody woke up, he'd be able to punish him. Now this the scene where she's where Regina is in with uh, Dr. Hopper, she mention, mentions that she put an enchantment spell on Daniel's body to preserve him. And they cut uh, just before that, they cut to the scene that showed Regina, young Regina, at the glass coffin, and there's this glow around him. That's not when she put the actual spell on him. are we him. talking about Storybrooke, or are we talking Storybrooke. about... Storybrooke. Um, so she said that to Dr. Hopper, but it doesn't really fit with when she might have put it on him, because she didn't have magic back then in Enchanted Forest. But she said when she was talking to Dr. Hopper... Oh. That she put an enchantment and then a preservation spell. Yeah, and, I know uh, it's that whole thing is bothering me, and I don't really. That could understand. be a glitch, a plot hole, and not something intentional. I, I mean, it's it's small. Yes, um, it's not that small because uh, yeah. she was clearly not doing anything magic when he died. But the whole premise here was that it was as though he had just drawn his last breath moments ago. Here is one idea, and I can't remember if someone sent this in on a tweet or an email or something, but one idea was maybe she had stolen her mother's uh, spell book before and looked up something to be able to preserve Daniel's body and did that shortly after Daniel died. Seemed pretty clear that she didn't know anything about it until Rumpel came yeah. to her. Yeah, that's that's the hard part. Rumpel can <laughs> <But laughs> Maybe a preservation spell sort of turns back the clock on a body it can't bring them back to life but it preserves yeah. them yeah. retroactively maybe i don't see why not could be um a couple things interesting things when david took henry to the the stable and he points out henry's actual horse did you see the number on mm-hmm. the horse stall no eight yeah oh <laughs> a lost uh... number and also the scene after that when Regina goes into the basement of the hospital and she walks past Sydney Glass's cell there too and she's looking for Dr. Whale. The clock on the wall, both the hour and the minute hands are pointed at four, which is also a lost number. Four, Wait, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-three, forty-two. Past Sydney Glass's cell? Mm-hmm. I wonder where Sydney Glass is. In in the, in the basement of the You think he's the there? Yeah, they and she can't, just walked right past him. They can't. Yeah, she doesn't want to use him. They, Wouldn't he die? Maybe. <laughs> There's nobody there to take care him. for him. The, yeah, it looked deserted. Oh, and it was so funny that Doctor Whale is doing his work under the hospital in the psych ward. Mm. Like I just thought it was funny. Science and psych ward <laughs> and Frankenstein. In the official, they all go together. In the official Once Upon a Time podcast, Kitsis and Horowitz said that in that episode we are both when David said. Go back to your work or find new work. Uh, they were going to show a scene of Dr. Whale walking into a laboratory, but they thought, no, that'll give away who he is. Mm-hmm. So they said that they cut that. Interesting. Yeah. There was a question posed even before the stable that might be an important question. Whale kind of asked Regina this directly in Hopper's office. 
he wanted her to send him back. And she said she couldn't. Mm-hmm. But she looked at Hopper when she said it like, like, I can't almost like because I can't use magic. And he said can't or won't. So is that an important question we should be asking? Rumpel said later that, or Gold said later that it was beyond her abilities, but I'm still kind of wondering whether she, it is or not. Maybe she can, and she's just keeping that under wraps so people don't, like, torture her. I'm assuming she can't on her own, or she wouldn't have needed the hat for the Wraith, unless right. she was still... But she kept saying that Fairytale Land didn't exist, even right up to that moment, so maybe she still was also guarding the secret. Of course, she didn't have her magic back then, either. Right. So she... I don't know. Maybe that is a question we should be asking. Uh, that is a good question. And you're starting to sound like Kitsis and Horowitz. That's a question <laughs> we should be asking. <laughs> That's how they answer so many things. That's a very good question. I love it when they who are writing the show say, it looked to me like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they write the show in a trance and then they read it back and like, wow, what's That's going on? a little scary. <laughs> <you know? laughs> wow. Speaking of scary, this was their Halloween episode and we're recording this episode on halloween actually no one's run our doorbell because we've got the Ding lights dong. off but well, not all the lights off the outside lights yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we've got candles down here um but that does remind me that we've got a costume contest that we're going to host so if you or your family have uh, decorated yourselves or dressed <laughs> up as a once upon a time character or if, you, if you've had your hand in making a once upon a time costume and if it whether it's for halloween or just anything that you've done or recently Please send that to us, feedback at oncepodcast.com. We want to have a Halloween costume contest. So you can send that to us, email a picture, and send those to us by November 15th will be our cutoff date. And then we'll have the voting after that so people will get to vote on which they think is the best costume. And it won't be like a vote every single day kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like podcastawards.com is vote for us over there every day. November 1st through the 15th, but it will be just a vote for it. So uh, they, they did make this kind of slightly scary episode, slightly monster ish, but not overly so, which I was glad to see. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, the theme was very much monster like. (laughs) And whale create a, created a monster in Daniel by putting this heart in and lost an arm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So whose heart? Because Mm -hmm. the original Dr. Whale or Dr. (laughs) Frankenstein story, well, there are many with the name Frankenstein, but the one that they're referencing here, Dr. Frankenstein used the brain of a murderer. He didn't realize it was a murderer. He used the brain of a murderer to resurrect this person who ended up killing his wife and accidentally and these other things. And it's kind of a story of a misunderstood monster. Slightly instead of this vicious monster, but he's just misunderstood because he has this brain of a killer. But in here, it's a heart. So it seems like maybe this heart is the heart of someone very wicked, very evil. And that's what causes Daniel to be all monstery and ripping Hmm. people's arms off and stuff. Yeah, maybe. I guess we'll never be able to hear from him about that since he's now dust. (laughs) Speaking of arms... I wonder if there's a price for getting Whale's arm reattached with magic. Like, I wonder if it's going to, like, turn on him and be like... (laughs) (laughs) Because he got reattached with magic. Well, I think the price for him was he had to admit to Rumpel that he needed magic. So that was his price. I got it. Which, in this case, 
Rumple or Gold did the magic. And but he got he to name the price. Yeah, he named the price. So I guess it's the person who's benefiting from magic has to pay the price. Or I see. someone steps in to pay it for them. Not necessarily mm-hmm. that magic is being done. Yeah. Um, but when, when Whale said that he brought him back, and after all of this, when Whale's in the hospital, Regina and David are talking. And David does confirm, and yes, I'm using Storybrooke names when we're in Storybrooke. I think that's very easy to mm-hmm. follow with. David does confirm that in in Enchanted Forest, Snow told Charming about Regina and Daniel and everything that happened there. Yeah. We theorized before that maybe Snow lied. Maybe oh. that's why the whole line in the pilot episode about <laughs> oh, that's right. she gave me a poison apple for being prettier than she was. And then that never came up. That was never answered. So now we know there wasn't a lie. Snow was honest, which is good because that's what David said that their relationship mm-hmm. was based on in yeah. the last episode. So that line from the pilot episode, just Oops. one of those lines that, yeah, like, whoops, <laughs> or or it was just there just for the sake of the Snow White story mm-hmm. and the fairier, fairest of them all. Mm-hmm. But Regina here says that someone who we find out later was Jefferson back in Enchanted Forest said that Dr. Whale practices something more powerful than magic. That whole thing was interesting, too, because it was a, it was at first a very familiar scene. Something's happening in the hospital, and David comes in, and he questions Regina, and she gives some vague, evasive answer. But then he questions her again, and she just spills the beans. She tells him <laughs> the whole story. She doesn't even leave out important details. She's just completely honest, which Actually, is something we haven't really seen. She was still kind of guarded. Like, she she left out a few things. Okay. Like she just said it was about this person in her past. She didn't she left out a few things in between, like uh Well she started to, but she talked about Daniel and the whole thing. Didn't she? Um she referred to Daniel. She confirmed and, it, I guess. When yeah, he... and that's when David said who your mother killed <laughs> like or it's something like that that implied like he's supposed to be dead <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so um since by the way whale slash frankenstein uses science and not magic what science does he just somehow know lightning <laughs> what did he do he did this in storybrook it didn't turn out so great but he did it well the lights were flickering so maybe he just <laughs> stuck Daniel's hand in a light socket. <laughs> you know, I hadn't thought about the fact that the lights were flickering. That just seems to always happen around monsters. So I just kind of took it for granted. But you're probably uh, right. It probably has something to do with <laughs> bringing well, him back. And a library does... Uh, <laughs> a library. <laughs> that would be worse when I connect this. A hospital does have things for shock treatments. Libraries sometimes do too. <laughs> Especially in the psych ward. <laughs> yeah, the library. Oh, we could use the paddle, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clear. something like that. Maybe he used science on something in order to have more of an electrical charge. So it's not hard for him because he comes from a land of science and he's in our land, which is a land of science and technology. That's our magic in this land is science and technology. Oh, we've got magic. His land must be science and magic because Jefferson took him home. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Oh yeah. Huh. You're right. So Regina said 
that she took so many hearts, it was hard to keep track of them. Just like I mentioned earlier, like it was a drug to her, mm-hmm. almost. She, I'm thinking maybe all of the guards that she had, her royal guard, she had their hearts, literally. Maybe. And that's oh. how she was able to control them and get such um, loyalty from them. You're right. Although she had Graham's heart, God bless his soul, and he, <laughs> she didn't have total control over him all the time because he helped charm He was a rogue. Yeah. He was a rogue heart. But he was a strong heart. Well, the only time Rumpel seemed to use, like, the unicorn, almost like a puppet, he was actually holding the heart. So maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, very true. He said you control it. He did this little magic wave across (laughs) it. So, yeah, Regina probably has to have, actually be holding the hearts to control people. And all she has to do is squeeze (laughs) if they run. (laughs) And last thing, the storybook part of this is rather short, but uh, last couple things, Daniel attacks Regina there in the stable. And she said, I love you. And that kind of woke him up partially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like the way that Kitsis and Horowitz explained this in the official podcast. They said, here is someone who is really resurrected as someone else, but there's still this part of Daniel left inside Mm -hmm. and it's struggling to kind of come out a little bit. And when Regina said, I love you, that kind of woke that up in him. And so the Daniel part of the monster could come out just long enough to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And he told Regina, and I think Regina fans out there are evil regals loved this part Daniel told Regina when she said, I love you. Then he said, then love again. Mm -hmm. So who do you think is going to be Regina's boyfriend? (laughs) I thought I heard that. It didn't really make sense, but I thought I heard that. I mean, it could mean multiple things too. Mm -hmm. I mean, love doesn't have to just be a romantic thing, obviously. Just loving the people around her. And it's a sense of moving on. Mm -hmm. And it's, in a parallel that occurred to me, Rumpel, I'm going to jump around a little bit because the story really did in fairy tale land in the past when he was trying to train her and he said, what's holding you back? And obviously it was Daniel that she had preserved him and she wanted to bring him back. Well, what's been holding her back from being good? Yeah. It's still been him. Because and of now the grudge. Yeah. And now she said goodbye and it's kind of, Maybe she's got closure now. Maybe now she really can start to be redeemed. Yeah, maybe. I th- I think we could see Regina redeemed as a character. I don't want to see too many characters redeemed. I agree with several of our <laughs> listeners. On that. that sounds so bad. It does. But um, I don't think we're going to see Rumpelstiltskin redeemed. And I, that's completely different conversation. So I'm not going to get too much into that. But uh, Dr. Whale... Um, one of the last scenes then when uh, I'm skipping some stuff, anything more about that scene, Regina and Daniel, before we move on. So when Dr. Whale went to Rumpelstiltskin with his arm there in a cooler, how, (laughs) how much awesome is it watching Dr. Whale walk through Storybrooke with his arm in a cooler? (laughs) I mean, seriously, (laughs) it almost looked like uh, Rumpelstiltskin or gold took a slight step back out of, uh, intimidation slightly but i think he was just stepping around the counter when you look at the shop layout and where gold actually was Mm, i didn't notice anything like that um but 
he makes whale admit that he does need magic but i don't think that ultimately answers the question that this episode raises which is more powerful magic or science because regina didn't know what dr whale's thing was that he said was more powerful than magic she never knew in this episode maybe regina and many of these other characters don't know about science i'm not just saying like basic science like physics and standard stuff but what you can do with science really mm-hmm. so maybe science is more powerful than magic that sci- that scene made me think that rubble stilson really can see the future because it was prophetic whenever he said um he said this as Frankenstein was leaving. He said, Care to wager? I suspect that someday you'll see it my way. Because he was wagering if science Back is in more... Back Enchanted Forest. Yes, yeah. if science is more powerful than magic. Mm. So I think he really can see the future. Yeah, very possible. And that crystal ball could have something to do with it. <laughs> so... Mm. Yes. Which, <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, which. Mm, yes. <laughs> I just had to play. <laughs> I got that clip. <laughs> Put that in the save pile. So funny. <laughs> so that's a good segue into talking about Enchanted Forest then, unless you guys had anything else about Storybrooke before we move on. In Enchanted Forest, um, Rumpelstiltskin is the sorcerer and he's working with an apprentice and mm-hmm. he calls her an apprentice. Yep. I, I saw that connection too. Mm. <laughs> There's also another Disney movie connection, which I'll mention in a moment again with Rumpel. But uh, he said to Regina that nothing is innocent, not even a unicorn. Oddly enough, a black unicorn. Usually unicorns are white because that's representing purity but this was a black one so maybe that's why it wasn't innocent well he's a man with a plan or actually he's an imp with a plan (laughs) so i mean he'll lie and he's and he's on his mission by now to get bay back so he's gonna do whatever he has to do and say whatever he has to say to influence regina to Mm -hmm. do what he wants her to do which isn't is to enact the curse yeah he's been on that mission ever since he lost bay yep and then as he's teaching Regina, he explains the whole heart thing, which is cool to see or hear that explanation. When you take a heart, it becomes enchanted, stronger than a normal heart. You're not hurting the beast, you're controlling it. So now we know it's this enchanting part of removing a heart that allows it to continue on. We, we wondered in season one why the hearts glow. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're enchanted. And why the heart didn't glow when um, when Regina pulled it out of her father or when Cora pulled it out of Daniel is because neither of those hearts were enchanted. They were just pulled out. Yuck. <laughs> and then when, because Regina is holding on to the past, she... She doesn't want to do this. She doesn't want to move forward and learn magic. And in Rumpelstiltskin's castle up there in his familiar place with his potions in the library and overlooking the castle, you can see the flags actually through the windows, um, the Rumpelstiltskin's castle flags. 
There was a great little lost reference in here that uh, our listener Robin pointed out to us. Well, we've already debated this thing of is dead really dead? And here's what Rumpelstiltskin and Regina said. Magic can do much, but know that. Dead is dead. Which is a reference to Lost. There was, what was it, Jeremy? An episode was called Dead is Dead? Oh, probably. It got said a lot. Okay. In, in the, in the no episodes. No doubt in response to the thousands of fans who kept theorizing <laughs> about this character being resurrected and this one and this one. And it just was problematic. <laughs> so, in response to that little Lost reference there, Dead is Dead, Regina then says, And I am lost. <laughs> How funny. I don't know if that was intentional like that to be a lost reference, but nonetheless, that juxtaposition is really cool. <laughs> so thank you, Robin, for sending that in That's and pointing good. that out to us. So throughout this episode, I think they push that theme of dead is dead. That again, magic can't bring people back from the dead. Not even science can bring the actual people back from the dead. Mm-hmm. When Jefferson shows up, he's got that crystal. Pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> Jefferson is so youthful and different. Yeah. Unburdened. Messy. Expression. He's, he's got full swag. of expressions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And. By the way, was that whole thing in the study a complete setup? Were they already working on Regina? I think so. Because when Jefferson started talking to Regina, it sounded like he was acting and kind Mm -hmm. of looked like he was acting on top of what Sebastian Stan does as acting. Well, yeah. Yeah. And when an actor acts like they're acting, that's pretty cool. It's Mm -hmm. so meta. Actor acts like... I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Did you just say it's so meta? Yeah. (laughs) I was just going to say it (laughs) for you. So... He brings this crystal ball and references slippers. Thank you, everybody who emailed me, which was almost everybody, um, letting me know that it was slippers that I he didn't also mentioned. Understand it either time I watched it. <laughs> I thought I thought at first. Wait a minute, Cinderella slippers? Why would he want those? But then, go ahead, Daniel. Um, well, the the slippers. There's a lot to them. Let me play this clip that Rumpelstiltskin actually said. What about the slippers? Oh, couldn't find them. Her talk they've already been moved to another land. That's what I needed to get to that other land. Well, come with me and my hat. I'm sure we can work something no, out. No, your hat only transports between magical realms. I need to get to a land without magic. So the slippers can go to non-magical places. Yes. And what slippers do we know of that took ding, someone ding, to our ding. world? There's no place like home. <laughs> Unless she was actually from Frankenstein. She's world. from Kansas. <laughs> <True>. <gasps> Both movies are black and white, so it's very possible. <laughs> well, um, I think the slippers did actually come to our world because that's just what Rumpelstiltskin said. He needed the slippers to go to that world. I don't know. That the slippers moved to. Oh, well, you know, you could be right because Dorothy lives in Kansas. Mm-hmm. So is Bay in Kansas? Well, that would be mm. awfully convenient because that would put them here. Or maybe it was just 
a vague reference and we'll never actually see them. Yeah, yeah the, the slippers took Dorothy back home. Yeah. And her home was Kansas. So there's no reason to think that Bay was also sent to Kansas because Oh, he could just be and, sent somewhere else here. Yeah. yeah. And and um Rubble Stiltskin was planning a trip from Kansas to wherever Bay was. Since he right. wanted the slippers. Yeah, he was looking and we've seen this you know, <laughs> you know, for several like, episodes. There's no place like Dorothy's home. There's no place like Dorothy's home. <laughs> we, well, it could have worked slightly different, actually. But I, I the curse was a much more manly way for him to get to our world than putting on those ruby slippers. <laughs> Let's just be honest. I could see Rumpelstiltskin doing it. There's no place like home. Oh, stop. There's, there's no, no place, place like home. What is happening? <laughs> but, and by the way, there's a hilarious screenshot I'll put in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 60 of Rumpelstiltskin with his hands on his legs and his spindle. <laughs> hilarious. But um, I couldn't see Mr. Gold doing that. No, there's no, <laughs> I can't, I can't do it well enough, but so the slippers, then definite, I'd say definite wizard of Oz reference there. And that <laughs> yeah. those took Dorothy back to our world. So wizard of Oz thing has already happened up to this point. Timeline information there. Do you think Frankenstein could also be the wizard of Oz? I think so. Or maybe his brother. Do you know when they were, when they were going to see Frankenstein, which we didn't know who it was at first. They they were walking down a long hallway, and Jefferson said, "Yeah, I've actually off. We shall go to see him. <laughs> Where is he, this wizard? You promised to bring him to me. Indeed, and off we shall go to see him. But I warn you, be cautious. <laughs> yeah, they should have had their arms linked, and <laughs> she should have had a basket. <laughs> but one other thing, I think that could be a connection to the Wizard of Oz is remember." Jefferson brought that crystal ball to Rumpelstiltskin, and that might be the Wicked Witch of the West's crystal ball. That's exactly what I was thinking. Wizard of Oz. Because she's dead now. What what does she use for now, Diddy? <laughs> she's been crushed by it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now that you've had a house dropped on your head. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder, though, could that crystal ball be how Rumpelstiltskin glimpses the future. Mm, no. Not that he in himself glimpses the future, but maybe that crystal ball. Well, Not what? unless he was hiding it in his cell and had already looked and then was pretending to be doing it without it. Maybe no. he turned it into contact lenses. <laughs> I think he could have he could have looked and found everything that he needed, seen everything, and then just remembers it for the next many years to come. Holy remembers cow. That's a lot to remember. I'm yeah. going to say no, but you know. Well, hmm. it, it could be. So What's take as much gold that? as you deem appropriate. <laughs> By the way, did you see how much he took? He took like no. a whole handful and all stuffed it, it into his bag. Yeah, Rumpelstiltskin was um, spinning the straw uh, into gold and was filling this little bowl of it. And when Jefferson <laughs> went over... After when Jefferson was stuffing it into his bag, I looked at the bowl again and it's, it's completely empty. empty. <laughs> <laughs> he just took it all, <laughs> which funny. I figured uh, Jefferson would because uh, he he was pretty excited, which now also explains how Jefferson looks so wealthy with all of his nice uniforms because he's been working for Rumpelstiltskin. Who weaves mm. straw yeah. to gold. Yeah. And making all of this money. Yeah. So then... This 
again, this important line. Now, keep in mind what Jefferson is saying to Regina is very much to lead her down this path that apparently Rumpelstiltskin and Jefferson have already communicated and planned this together. But Jefferson says this. And this wizard, can he really bring someone back from the dead? Well, if he can't, no one can. They really pushed that. Yeah, he said that again later at Mm -hmm. the tent. He said, if this doesn't work, then Rumpelstiltskin's right. There is no way. Mm -hmm. So really intentionally pushing Regina. And I think for our sakes, also reminding us that, look, dead is dead. Mm -hmm. There's no other way. Even if you try to bring them back, you're not bringing them back. You're creating a monster. Don't do it. (laughs) it. It was funny because the performance was really geared toward their world it wasn't Mm. geared toward a world of science he sort of made this motion like i'm shoving the heart back in his chest because i can do that with my power Mm. and then he kind of hangs his head well if you knew what his so-called power should look like he would not be just shoving the heart toward the body what do you think he did with it? Because he had to kind of hide it really fast before Regina got in there. He, I was thinking Jefferson wasn't wearing his hat. So I wondered if maybe he somehow dropped it in the hat or the hat was nearby. You don't see the hat in that little tent, but Jefferson's not wearing it outside of the tent. And later it's Jefferson who gives the heart back to Is it? Dr. Frankenstein. I thought it was yeah. um, Rumpelstiltskin. Mm-mm. Jefferson was carrying it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. He must have had it the whole time. Yeah. But, no, well, but he had it in the tent, remember? Well, he had something. Yeah, so he had it. Well, Regina gave him the heart. He had it in the tent. Oh, he took I it into see, the yeah. tent. Then just did sleight of hand. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a man of science. Maybe he's also good at little sleight of hand motions and stuff. <laughs> and so he keeps the heart and hides it. But before, backing up a bit, before Regina met him, there are those couple references wizard of oz things and also when jefferson introduces him he says the wonderful wizard and frankenstein says i prefer doctor well a couple interesting things happen here just before this jefferson said that this wizard has never been to a world like ours Mm. i think what we were joking about in our initial reactions about ours being a color world and Frankenstein's being black and white could mm-hmm. also be true based on this comment. And the writers, Kitsis and Horowitz, said in the official podcast that they called Frankenstein's world a land without color. Funny. <laughs> he and, was drawing a white flower. Did you notice? Yeah, he was drawing this flower. It was white. In front of a bunch of colorful things, but he was drawing it in black and white. Yeah, but, and, but it was a white pencil. flower, so maybe he's kind of partial to black and white things because he's... That's his world. Now, Tiago did send in some feedback to us about the flowers and said that they seem to be very similar to um, the Alice, in, or not Alice, the Wizard, of, Wizard Oz. of Oz movie cover, the one that Disney did, 1939 Wizard of Oz movie. And uh, by the way, the director of that movie is Victor Fleming. Oh. And Frankenstein is Victor Frankenstein. But... The thing is, the more that Jenny and I looked at this, and the more we looked at these flowers and compared them, the less and less they actually looked the same from 
Wizard of Oz and It would have made sense if they had poppies yeah. in that garden. Because poppies were, you know, they were a memorable part of the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. So, um, Frankenstein is fascinated by our world or by this enchanted forest because there are these hearts transformed by magic, mm-hmm. enchanted, so that they're much stronger. Oh, and I loved how he worded, normal hearts can't withstand the shock of the procedure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Literally. Yes. Yeah. So, this whole thing, he wanted a heart. This is all a plot so that he can get a heart and help convince Regina that there's nothing that they can do to bring back the dead. Yeah, and he kept referring to this procedure, but he wasn't, you know, specific about which procedure because he had a procedure back home with his mm. brother that he wanted to use the heart for. I just thought he was just being really slick with his wording. Like, Jefferson was being slick with his wording, and so was Rumpel. Everybody was being really slick. Yeah, very well planned out. <laughs> yep. When Regina, going along with all of this, takes them to the heart vault and they're amazed at how many hearts there are, she refers to her mother as a collector, mm-hmm. collector of hearts. And I'm thinking in my mind, you could almost call her the queen of hearts. Well, exactly. <laughs> how could this not be the thing? And of course, she said that she took so many it was impossible to keep track and called her a monster. Mm. And then later, she said the same thing, minus the monster part about herself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think she's finally starting to wake up and realize how much she has become like her mother. And mm-hmm. that's really sobering for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen that struggle over the last several episodes mm-hmm. that she she doesn't want to be like her mother, but she realizes she's become like her mother. When Regina goes back to Rumpelstiltskin to kind of prove that she's got what it takes to be his apprentice, there's that girl there that she just that regina just so mercilessly rips her heart out and crushes it right there in front of rumpelstiltskin to show that she's serious did you recognize that girl at all no no she looks very much like a character from another disney movie the hunchback of notre dame oh esmeralda or as a gypsy they were dressed very similarly, kind of looked the same hairstyle and everything. And then <laughs> Regina just rips her heart out there. You're going to have to have a screenshot. Yeah, I'll have the screenshot in the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 60. So you can check that out. And let me know, do you think that's actually who it was? And maybe that's just a little nod there to that character and say, oh, yeah, look, here's Esmeralda and Regina Kelder. That'd be kind of sad. I would hope not. <laughs> <laughs> But that could be. We've seen them do just small references to certain characters before. This could also be one of those things. Just a little reference to it. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. When Jefferson, Dr. Frankenstein, and Rumpelstiltskin get back together, Rumpelstiltskin makes this uh, nice little quote. Thanks to your efforts, I've made my monster. Now I do hope you'll be able to make yours. Frankenstein's monster. Mm. That's one of the names of the original uh-huh. stories. Which he doesn't want to call a monster, but he is willing to call an it just to get the quote in. Mm. <laughs> By the way, how did... I'm going to call him Frankie. How did Frankie <laughs> choose just one heart? I mean, there were so many. How did he choose just one? 
Like what did you, I wonder what the process of elimination was there. See, I, this one's brighter. This one's blah. I looked at that very closely. I don't like the shade of red. And by the way, all the heart boxes have the red like medical symbol yes. on them. Um, that's what's glowing. Yep. Uh, you can't quite see it in like the standard it's, it's like a little cross. Yeah, the red cross okay. icon. It's I on all of the heart boxes. Called it that, but that's okay. Yeah. I think it's a window, though. I think that's the hearts you see it's inside. It's a decorative window, yeah. <laughs> decorative. But it's kind of funny that it's the red cross shape. Sure. Yeah. But I, I looked very closely for when he picked it out to see if there was any indication of his picking out that specific one for any reason. I can't really see it. You Maybe he just picked up a random heart? That or maybe something about it seems stronger to him than any of the others. Why didn't he pick up like three or four and be like, just in case, you know, just in case (laughs) this one's not strong enough. Seriously, though, why didn't he just and maybe this has to do with the deal with Rumple. But why didn't he just say, I need one heart to take back and I'm going to try and perfect this on my brother and then I'll come back and help you. Because I think. There, if, was, there was a deal there yeah, with Rumpelstiltskin. If Frankenstein did actually perfect the procedure and could help Regina, then Regina would be completely gone and she'd be back with Daniel oh, and have yeah. no motivation to learn True. magic anymore. But what was Frankenstein's motivation for helping Rumpel? Science. Getting the heart. Getting the heart. So that was his To get price. connected with Regina, he had to agree to do it this way. Yeah. Interesting. So Jefferson must have been looking around, found someone willing to make deals, shared that with what Rumpelstiltskin. What did Jefferson get out of all this? Gold. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, and a lot gold. of it. Yeah. And he'll probably get more again later. So then there's the challenge between Frankenstein and Rumpelstiltskin about magic and what we realize is science. But what Frankenstein says about science compared to magic is very interesting. What I'm going to accomplish goes far beyond magic. I need my powers to transcend the limitations of your magic. He's very cocky. Yeah. Yeah, very... He has a godlike complex, which ties into the um, um, Untold Stories app on Facebook that described Whale and (laughs) had a few descriptions, and one of them was godlike complex (laughs) and some certain other things. I think one of them might have said something about uh, likes experiments... Uh, I can't remember that. I might be making that up. (laughs) (laughs) Just might be. Um, you do you remember after just after that? Um, Rumpelstiltskin warned Frankie that all magic comes with a price. Do you Mm -hmm. think the price was that his brother was a monster? Yeah, because he said that it ended badly. Right. Yeah, which that could be a whole story that maybe they'll show us. Yeah, and I want to know who his brother is. Maybe they'll, you know, elaborate. Well, the man was, you could say, maybe under a curtain on that table. Ah, pay no attention to the man <laughs> under oh, the curtain. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I think they very deliberately did not show us who it was. Just his hand was enough. There were so many cuts and stitches on yeah, that thing. Stitches. Yeah, stitches. Oh, pieced together. Somebody, somebody jokingly in the chat room a little while back said, he's the scarecrow. He's all stitched up. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I still can't believe he said, it's alive. I know that you almost have to say that if you're Frankenstein. It's alive! But then he says, welcome back, brother. I just called you an it. 
please don't <laughs> please don't take that out on me by don't be offended holding me up in the air by my throat <laughs> in a stable that oh. whole black and white scene was just great. How they even yeah. the music <laughs> in the background, <laughs> yeah, sounding so much like the 1930s. That was a great movies. Halloween episode. Yeah, like it had all the classic creepy music and monsters <laughs> stuff. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and the way that uh, they they held it out to the end mm-hmm. to show us and really. Uh, even in the episode, they had us guessing because I think so many Wizard of Oz references had several mm-hmm. of us saying, he's the wizard, but wait a minute, what what about this? And I'm sure many others out there uh, were seeing things and saying, uh-huh, 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 Frankenstein, Frankenstein, Frankenstein. There were a bunch <laughs> of people saying he was Frankenstein. Yeah, beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, which now, hindsight is twenty twenty. Now we could go back when we do our complete two-season rewatch next Oh my goodness, year, we're going to have to have a party but well, we can probably look back and find all of these little references and things here and there about Frankenstein. But I think so many people, like in our forums, have found these things already and I pieced know, them together. Why was he a womanizer in Storybook? Even that, after the curse was broken, why? That one. I mean, because the Wizard of Oz wasn't like that. Maybe and neither we'll, was Frankenstein. There. He wasn't a womanizer after the curse. Yeah, he was. He was like, can the nuns date? Oh, yeah. Or are they still nuns? That part. Maybe we'll figure it out. Maybe. Or maybe it's just part of his charm. (laughs) His storybook personality. um, Someone emailed in. I don't have the name in front of us, but I'm sorry about that. But someone had emailed in suggesting that this is because one of the stories about Frankenstein's monster was that the person, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but basically maybe Frankenstein was looking for a bride for his brother or for this monster he ended up mm. creating. But that's that's kind of a stretch, I'd say, because why yeah. would he be the one out there flirting with all of them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Kitsis and Horowitz in the official podcast said that this was their favorite scene. They loved doing this. And they've had this scene. The black and white? Yeah. They've had it planned. For a long time. I think they said from almost the beginning, they had this reveal planned like that. Well, you would think so if David Anders knew it yeah. was well what done. it was going to be. Yeah, he did. Uh, he said from the very beginning, he knew who he was going to be. <laughs> so that's awesome. And he played with that in so many ways. That was really funny what <laughs> David Anders Ursula would Ursula and the gingerbread man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I had one of the pigs. Nice. I should say, I made a comment about accents before. The accent, the Frankenstein accent, quote unquote, was not as pronounced as I thought it was. It was just sort of a different style of speaking that he had. And I guess in 28 hazy years in Storybrooke, mm-hmm. he's kind of stopped doing that because he is both. Yeah. <laughs> he is both. It's my favorite thing to say about them now. <laughs> so unless you guys have anything else to add, let's move on to present day fairy tale land. Oh, yes, let's. We bounced around a lot. And by the way, really, that last bit was not in any of the realms that we typically cover. Yes. Right. It was It was separate. Mystery realm. A land without color. A land uh, without which color. Which could we'll call be BW. very true. <laughs> yeah. So, in present-day fairy tale land with Emma, or Margaret, or Snow White, actually, and Aurora Mulan, and now Hook. 
joins them. I thought it was interesting that Mulan had said that Hook had visited the safe haven before. I was, that's how she knew he was. A I was wondering that she said she's seen him as a blacksmith months ago. Mm-hmm. So maybe she maybe that's proof that she's working with Cora and in on it. Oh, she, that she because everybody working? else, everybody else who could also agree and testify that he was he's been seen oh. in the safe haven haven are now they're all dead now. Hmm. So she could be lying, and they wouldn't know it. Because Aurora's been sleeping, Emma and Mary Margaret (laughs) have been in Storybrooke, so she's the only one who would know if he had or hadn't visited as a blacksmith. And in the pilot, in the premiere episode of this season, she said that all the survivors, or I can't remember if she used the word all, but she said the survivors have gathered into a safe haven. Yeah. What about that would make her... Well, maybe she's hiding the fact that there are people outside because she, the way she talked about the blacksmith is like he came once and he said he was hurt by the ogres in an ogre attack. Or maybe it's just people come and go looking for new safe havens or, you know. She made it sound like that was the only place left. Yeah. And everything outside was it's a monster. True. She kind of did. Yeah. So, uh, I have to agree with some of the listeners and think that she is a spy. I don't know about that. Now, Aurora (laughs) said that she isn't a good liar. I think that could come into play. At the very beginning of the episode, Aurora said that she herself is not a good liar because they were talking about they were going to have to lie about Lancelot and what happened to him and Cora and all of that to Mm -hmm. the rest of the safe haven. And that's when Aurora said... I'm not a very good liar. I didn't really like all that snow walking around going, well, this and this happened. It's all, so it's all technically true. Okay. I understand your need or your desire to not panic people, but after what they've been through, you might give them a little more credit than that, except now they're all dead. I thought she was giving Lancelot credit when she said that, like when he actually did die, he probably died fighting Cora. Well, yeah, I just feel like it was a little bit too deceptive for Snow's character. I think she was just trying to preserve his honor. Probably. Could be. Because they were good friends. Mm -hmm. So then Hook comes clean after a while and being threatened with ogres coming. How awesome was Emma in this whole yeah. Thing. Yeah, she's like, I'm taking charge. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she's acclimated a little bit. Now she's calling the ogres on purpose. And Snow, in response, had that brief look of, Emma? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she did have her bow drawn. Like, she had an arrow in her bow. Mm-hmm. She was ready. And I would like to vote Aurora most likely to trust a bad guy and get everyone killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, she's like... He might be telling the truth. Yeah. She's so oblivious. She'll fall asleep <laughs> for any guy. <laughs> Not quite. Okay, reminds me of Philip, okay? I loved how, how um, Mary Mark... I mean, Snow called... I loved how she said the word hook. She's like hook just like everyone else there said hook like in their their normal fairy tale whatever i don't know what i'm trying to say but anyway whenever she pulled that hook out she had this great look (laughs) on her face which makes me wonder that brings up a great uh, topic jenny that because that makes me wonder 
how does Snow White know about Hook? Because the incident between Hook and Rumpelstiltskin happened about 250 years She's ago. She's probably heard of him. Well, 280 now. She does have a pixie cut. <laughs> I'm just thinking. It's totally reaching. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am wondering if maybe Hook. I'm cheesy. <laughs> if maybe Hook came and went a couple times between Enchanted Forest and Neverland, or if maybe there are just stories passed down of this terrible pirate called who became known as Hook. Well, if she's if she's heard stories about Rumpelstiltskin, Rumpelstiltskin is connected to Hook, mm-hmm. so it's. You know, it's safe to assume that stories of Hook and Rumpelstiltskin would have kind of been passed down. Yeah. So they're going to a beanstalk. Yes, they are. I'm thinking this is the result of another magic bean that was used incorrectly. Which means next episode we either will see them almost not at all or we're going to see some beanstalk stuff happening. Yeah. Mm. Of course, it could be a really long climb. I hope it's not boring. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so they said... How is Hook going to climb? Oh, <laughs> very easy. Easier than us. Yeah, just he hooks into the vine and just pulls himself up. Hook and pull. Or beanstalk, I mean. Mm-hmm. It'd be very well, easy. Well, he'd have to put he'd his hook great on for that. And he'd have to have his hands untied. Oh, oh well. Yeah, that's true. But so they're going to climb and find this giant, probably. And... They're looking for this magic compass Hmm. to be able to, um, well, Hook said that Korra can use the enchanted ashes to make a portal. That's kind of interesting, but that's probably because she's adding it to her extremely powerful magic. Yeah. Do you think he's exaggerating so that they can get what they want? I don't think so, because Emma was being very perceptive during this. Yeah. She was using her superpower. By the way, does that not help eliminate the possibility of Mulan being a traitor? What? Well, if Emma's doing that to Hook, wouldn't she figure Mulan out too? Maybe. Unless. Maybe Emma's just playing it cool. Yeah. Maybe Mulan hasn't actually said anything that's a lie yet. Ah. (laughs) Well, that could be, I guess. That's how to tell lies without telling lies is don't tell lies. Oh, she she would have um, she ah uh, she possibly lied about him being a black his being a blacksmith and visiting a few months ago. But possibly, Emma that. was focusing on Hook at that moment. Yeah, different aspects there, but uh, this compass is going to help them direct the portal to somewhere. I'm wondering if maybe Cora had come across one of these beans and tried to use it and didn't have something like the compass to direct it. And that's why it just suddenly grew up instead of going down and turning into a portal to a different world, but instead grew up into um, where the giant is, we assume, the giant. Or Jack planted it. Yeah. We don't know how long (laughs) that beanstalk has been there. Oh, my goodness. I just made a connection that's so crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what if <laughs> what if Captain Hook is also Jack Sparrow since he has the eyeliner <laughs> and he's a captain of a ship and Jack is also the name of the boy who planted the beanstalk so maybe Jack because uh, Hook 
did not acquire the beans originally. Smee got them from another ship. Oh, uh, okay. Besides. Yeah. That was my... Killian. Yeah. Killian Jones. Yeah, but is that a real name? Is that his real name? <laughs> Probably. Or, I don't trust that that's your real name. Or is it a fake name that makes people tremble in their boots? So I think Shiver the, me timbers. I think the fact that they're looking for a compass to be able to help them direct the portal lends some support to the idea that the beans can go anywhere, but they have to be directed. I guess. They can be pre-programmed then, mm-hmm. is what you were saying before, right. I believe. In... The last episode, the crocodile, they, um, Captain Hook threw the bean into the water, it opened a portal, and then he told everyone, set sail uh, for Neverland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe th- at that moment, that's when the portal then chose where it would point them. But what did he have to direct it that he doesn't have now? Maybe he had the compass originally. Maybe. That could be. What, how, did, how did Bay go to the right place? That was the blue fairy directed the bean. So, director of the bean. Perhaps. I will say perhaps. Yeah. I will say that's a good theory. (laughs) Listeners, we would love to hear what you think about this. But here's the thing. We, uh, this is our last episode that we'll do about this episode of once upon a time. So the best place for you to share your thoughts, theories, and feedback and all of that about the doctor would be to go to our forums over at oncepodcast.com slash forums. It's real easy to create an account over there. You can sign in with Twitter, Facebook, or create a username and password and start posting your thoughts and theories there. Get feedback with other oncers or respond to other theories over there. We've got special sections for spoilers and sections for every single episode, too. So you can jump over there, chat it up with the other oncers, and (laughs) share your theories. But we do want your feedback for the next episode of Once Upon a Time. So keep this information handy. You can write to us while the episode is playing on Sunday or right after it plays or a few days after when you have some time to think. Email us your feedback on the next episode. I won't tell the name of the title right now because that's a spoiler by our definition. Email to feedback at oncepodcast.com. You can send written or audio feedback or go to oncepodcast.com and click on the send a voice message tab to record a message right from your computer. Or you can pick up the phone any time of the day or night and call 903-231-2221 and leave your message there. We get so many messages and it's really hard to incorporate these and uh, your theories, they, they're wonderful theories and thoughts and ideas and observations. It's just so hard to incorporate these. So that's why I'm trying to at least mention who brings out a theory that we're discussing, uh, even though we may not have time to read the messages or include the actual voicemails as much as I'd like to. But uh, we really appreciate that. And it helps us in our research, too. When you find something, then it can point us in the right direction. So, Jenny, Jeremy, anything else that you guys uh, picked up on this episode or think that we could be going from this? Nope. Nope. Oh, one one other thing I forgot to bring up with the whole beanstalk thing. Do you think the Jack and the Beanstalk incident happened before the curse or maybe after the curse? Because we don't know how long the beanstalk has been there. Well, do you know about the story of Jack and the Beanstalk? Ah. I do, but... I mean, yeah, I think I know what you're saying, but go it ahead. It has to be before the curse, or it's not a story in our world. 
the only reason what we're seeing of Sleeping Beauty could happen post curse is because it's the daughter of that Aurora. Hmm. Explain. Well, this stuff's all happening present day. How could we know a story that hasn't happened oh, yet? Right. Like literally us and the people in Storybrooke with their false memories. We have these books. Hmm. These things are in the past. The, yeah. The fact that they've gone back to fairy tale land makes me start to question some of that. Well, it should be what comes after the fairy tales. Yeah. But the stories. Portal jumping does also involve time jumping. <sighs> Because yeah, we saw Jefferson use the hat to go to a specific time before the curse. But to have the curse start to weaken in Fairytale Land at the same time that it started to weaken here. Yeah. Then you have to start getting some kind of strange time lock yeah, synchronization yeah, thing. And then it still is the same problem. Well, it, even then, how did the stories get in our hands exactly. anyway? In the first place, if I don't think time between Enchanted Forest or Fairytale Land in general, I don't think time is parallel with our time. It could flow differently. It could be just, it could be um, sequential to our time in a sense. Yeah, I would have said all that until they started having events there correspond to events here. Mm-hmm. And that could just be a temporary thing. Maybe. So what we see happening could still be, in a sense, the past to us in our land. Yeah. So it could, as much as I don't like this idea, it could be possible that Emma is a certain fairy tale character, but the writers have already said she's her own fairy tale character. Yeah. She's, she's someone completely different. Yeah. She's not a fairy tale character that we know. I won't say that they couldn't work it out. I just think that they're going to keep certain things as simple as they can because they don't want to confuse the entire audience or most of the audience. Right. So I would, I assume that anything that is well known to us as a fairy tale happened in the past. Yeah, and I, I think that's very reasonable too. Um, I'm I'm not close to the idea that fairy tales could still happen, but or I, some element of the happy ending could happen later. Right, and you know, as these stories sort of morphed and they needed a happy ending, quote unquote. I mean, Disney actually mm-hmm. gave them the happy ending. The original stories didn't necessarily have them. So, you know, we could still see parts of them happening now, like Beauty and the Beast is kind of not finished, (laughs) essentially. Yeah, a lot of that stuff. And uh, as Goldfish in the chat room says, (laughs) to quote Deep Space Nine, I hate temporal anomalies. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, we do this show live. We have our full discussion on Wednesday nights at 8.30 Eastern Time. And our initial reactions on Sunday nights at 9.15 Eastern Time in a live chat room, live video, so you can watch us do this podcast, and it works out great. Last Sunday, it didn't work out so well because of Frankenstein's lightning and all of that stuff. His science took all our power away and internet connection away and all of that, so we couldn't do it live. But normally, as long as power or internet connection doesn't go out then we do this show live on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. So get your feedback in by then to be included on the podcast. And go over to oncepodcast.com slash 60 to get the show notes for this episode and some of the screenshots that we mentioned. And you can also go to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards on or after November 1st to see exactly, I'll make another video for you to see how you can vote for us in the podcast awards. And 
or rather, you could also just jump straight to podcastawards.com and please vote for all three of our podcasts that are up for the finalists. You need to do this every day to really help us out. So don't just vote once, vote every day, November 1st through November 15th. Under comedy, vote for The Ramen Noodle. Under entertainment, vote for Once Podcast. And under technology, vote for The Audacity to Podcast. Those are our three podcasts that are in the finalists for it. And if you're going to be at New Media Expo in Vegas, Jenny and I will be there for the awards ceremony. So we'd love to meet up with you if you're going to be there as well. We would also love some iTunes ratings and reviews. You can jump over to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes and leave a written review. We love those, just like Rumpel's Girl, Hannah 97, Prissy TV Fanatic, and Rose Red 24 left some really nice reviews for us. So we really appreciate that. You can go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes to leave those reviews. And I really don't want to end this episode without saying a big, big thank you to Sandra David Newland and Benita Still, who have sponsored this episode of One's Podcast. We really appreciate your financial support. It helps a whole lot because the expenses of running the podcast and website and forums and all of that uh, do rise. And so we really appreciate what you've done to support this episode. Sandra, David, and Benita, thank you so much. If anyone else would like to sponsor an episode, you can go to onespodcast.com slash sponsor and be like co-producers with us. So before we go, Jenny, Jeremy, anything left to say about this episode of Once Upon a Time? It was a good one. It was a good one. Good Halloween episode. Yeah. It's just plain fun. <laughs> so check us out over at the website, oncepodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow the show on Twitter at oncepodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me at twitter.com slash the ramen noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Phlegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny, and you can follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny Snook. Check out show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 60. And remember, so long as you live in the past, you'll never find your future. Thanks for listening, and vote for us over at podcastawards.com. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to Sandra, David, and Benita for sponsoring this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to sponsor an episode, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor, or you can use our Audible affiliate at oncepodcast.com slash Audible. And now for some brief spoilers from Hunter. Hi, Hunter Hathaway here with the spoilers. Sorry for the recording quality this week, but Hurricane Sandy ripped up the Jersey Shore where I live and left me without power. But I couldn't leave you without some spoilers. So here we go. Season 2, Episode 6, Tallahassee. Written by Christine Boylan and Jane Epsonson. Directed by David Barrett. In present-time fairytale land, Emma and Mary Margaret take a journey with Captain Hook, Mulan, and Aurora in hopes of finding a magical compass that will take them back to Storybrooke. The journey takes Emma and Captain Hook up a beanstalk to steal the compass from a giant. But here's the twist. 
Emma tells Mulan to give her 10 hours, if she isn't back by then, to cut down the beanstalk and keep going. Based on the Canadian preview, it looks like the 10 hours pass, and Mulan wants to do as she's told, but Mary Margaret is not pleased with the idea of leaving her daughter behind. This time, we don't go back in fairy tale time, but we finally get to look into Emma's troubled past. We see Emma meet a fellow thief who wants to make an honest woman out of her. Emma and Neil get very close and in a tight situation. Is he Henry's father? We also find out how Emma gets her VW bug. Michael Raymond James as Neil Cassidy, the mystery man from the season premiere, is back. Jorge Garcia makes his appearance as the giant, and Ian, Ian Bailey returns as August W. Booth. This just in on the casting front, Ethan Embry is coming to Storybrooke. Not many details as to who he will play, but I do know he is a visitor to town. Most visitors, Emma and August, have some tie to the magical world, so who could Embry be? Embry is currently guest starring on Grey's Anatomy, but most people remember him from his roles on Can't Hardly Wait and Empire Records. That's it for this week's spoilers. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash bit of pixie dust. Have a great week, and if you are on the Jersey Shore or any of the other East Coast areas that got hit hard this week, I hope you're all safe. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 